February 17th, 2023, and it is the most wonderful day of the year, the Friday before Mardi Gras. I hope everybody has stopped working. You're listening to this in the back of your Uber, trying (laughs) to ignore the guy who's talking to you about how bad the traffic is as you're on your way to the quarter to get belligerently drunk for the afternoon and seep into the weekend with a bang. You're just watching that rate climb up a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, and the ETA keeps extending as well. You're going to be in that car for a while. Yeah, settle in uh, and listen to the dulcet sounds of uh, Mr. Andrew Polk. Yeah, they're gonna they're about to drop you off at Hoodat Chicken, <laughs> like right there by that Shell station where everyone gets killed. And you're going to walk for a while. Yeah, and you'll be fine. <laughs> That's the whole point is walking. The crime rate in New Orleans is what it is. But what they don't have statistics for is how many times people dressed up wacky don't get robbed. <laughs> it's like having a baby. It Like if you're holding a baby, you're probably less of a target to get robbed. If you're dressed up like Paul Prudhomme... <laughs> You're less of a target. It is true that if you were wearing the goofy-ass stuff that you would wear in for the next you know, five days, if mm-hmm. you were to wear any of those things, and really any other downtown urban environment in the country, you'd probably get mugged. Yes, you would be beckoning <laughs> the crime. Yes. To- it would be the spotlight. Even you'd be in the middle of Nashville if you were wearing that stupid vest with whatever jester's hat you have on <laughs> uh, you know, and a, and a nine-foot beer. People would come take your stuff. Yeah, I think so. So really, New Orleans is above ahead of the curve. It really is. And what I like, too, is that, and I, I was discussing this with you before the show, the uh, unhoused around my uh, workplace are as festive as anyone else. Yes. Today, the guy that sweeps up vomit just in a circle all day, <laughs> he's wearing a big jester's hat. <laughs> There's one guy... And he looks, I call him Rorschach, because he looks like Rorschach from Watchmen. You ever seen Watchmen? No. Well, he's a wily fellow. Shaka red hair. Okay. Crazy as the day is long. Sure. He looks exactly like Rorschach. Well, that's exciting. I think he's going to be in like a gold sequin vest tomorrow. (laughs) His autograph? He doesn't seem the type. (laughs) It signs his name with an X. Uh, yeah, it is the it is a wonderful time of the year. Uh, I'm sure everyone else is uh, having a lovely time right now out at Muses. We are in a dark room in the uh, you know in Metairie and uh, not going to these parades because we're old, curmudgeonly men. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah, I it's hard to go living out here. The logistics of it give me anxiety. It's like. Where am I going to park? Am I going to take a $1,000 Uber? Yeah. Am yeah. I going to walk around in my green man suit 
<laughs> what if be taken I, advantage of. What if I have to pee yeah. at any point during the day? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not retired from Mardi Gras, but I'm making better decisions for myself. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I went out there uh, last weekend. It was beautiful. It was great weather on Sunday. Uh, the crowds were very nice. Uh, and, you know... I wasn't there long. This is a King Arthur parade on Sunday. Yeah, but I was. That was like the third parade. I was there like two parades before that. Anyway, it's just. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm just not the target audience anymore. Unless my kids really liked it. Some people's kids love it. Yeah, and they live for it, and they get in the ladder, and they want to catch everything, and they want to. My kids don't care. No. All my son wanted to do was throw the football, and the minute he was tired of throwing the football, he was ready to go home. And I was like, "Well, we parked." Two miles from here. So are you sure before I pack up like a Sherpa and go all the way back to the minivan that we parked in, but you know, where some guy, one guy's on my bumper and the other guy has like already written a note about how he's sorry for ripping off my side view mirror <laughs> while he was trying to parallel park. Um, so, you know, if we could just you know, make sure that we're sure and it turned out we were sure. So we were there for about an hour. Well, you're if you are two miles away, that's lucky. You could get back and realize you're actually parked now 15 miles away <laughs> in a field somewhere. So I'm glad that your vehicle was still there. Did you implement any security measures? Did you roll down the windows? Did you put a sign up that said, I'm deaf, please, please don't break? I don't know what you would do. No car has ever screamed, I don't have a gun, more than my minivan. <laughs> my minivan that has nothing but preschool art projects in it uh, and, and, you know, Diapers everywhere and uh, DVDs of Toy Story and Curious George. It, nothing in there says screams handgun. The minivan says I have a gun. It's buried in the backyard in a shoebox. I put it in my mouth every now and again just to feel. <laughs> <laughs> There's no bullets in it, but I just, you know, just to feel. That's the Astro Van guarantee. <laughs> no, my van's sick. I love my van. It's probably, it's probably been the best decision I've made in quite some time. Is that what you're taking down to the quarter tomorrow? Oh, man. I hope so. I know. You know I'll probably end up taking an Uber tomorrow because tomorrow uh, is usually a day I have a lot of fun. Mm. So tomorrow's the last day the kids are in school for a while. So you got to take advantage of that. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's always a great day in the quarter. Everyone's still got a lot of energy. There's a lot of juice. People are excited. Uh you're not dealing with the uh, the territory battle that occurs on the actual parade right. route. That that that's a big problem. Uh, so you've got a lot of fun things that are all kind of cooking in the same direction. Everybody seems to be happy, ready to go. And then I usually what I like to do. I don't know whether I'll be doing it tomorrow. My traditional move is to then walk all the way to the end of the parade route. So I'll walk from like the end of the French Quarter. All the last year I walked to like Pascal's Manali and that's where I got an Uber out. You walked there from like chart room? So yeah, from like the back end of the quarter all the way uh, down to so from like Toulouse Theater all the way to Pascal's Manali. It was a big day. Wow. I have only ever seen you in flip flops, I believe. Yeah. Are you making this journey in, <laughs> in the flops? I don't know what I'll wear tomorrow. I guess maybe some boots. It's supposed to rain tomorrow, right? Do you have all birds or whatever? Yeah. I gotta, I, I'll find something. Don't wear boots. Uh, you got to go comfy. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be a long day. It I'll always let, is. But, you, you know, everywhere sells beer. That helps. That is a factor. <laughs> and you just walk. There's people everywhere. It's a very lovely, uh, it's like, you know, running a marathon except fun. 
And on that far of a journey, you're able to find corners to relieve yourself. You don't really have to fight the bathroom race. If you're going five miles, you can find an alley pretty easily. Pretty easily, yeah. There's what I actually, last year, I, no joke, ran into a friend and he was like, hey, man, I had, he's like, we got the six set up and he had one of those little tents, like not a real tent, like, you know, the pop up tent. He had like a, a tiny tent that was like a porta potty. And he had a bucket with kitty litter in the tiny little tent. And he's like, you can just pee right in here. I was like, well, this is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then it walked about 10 more minutes. And I was like, I should have gone. I was like, that guy's a genius. I was like, I never would have thought about that. And then I saw like 10 more of those this weekend of like little pop-up pee tents. And these are just in the neutral ground for people to fall into, of stumble into, for your kids to take a scoop out of and uh, eat. Of course. Yes. Yikes. Yeah. The people have gotten uh, really bold with the amount of space they're just willing to gobble up. I've seen a lot of uh, Bucky's crawfish tables out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bucky's Mardi Gras branded ones. Yep. And those are all going to be uh, at the homeless encampment by the mission <laughs> in like a week or so. That's going to be new bunk beds for everyone. Yeah, I saw uh, Councilman J.P. Morell came out like, you can't put your stuff out there more than four hours in advance. It's like, no one's going to do anything about it. They don't do anything about people shooting each other in the face. I don't think anyone's going to come out and start taking people's ladders down. There's there nobody with no the law. chalk. Like they chalk <laughs> the tires. What are they, They're going to chalk the Bucky's statue that you have up? It's like, yeah, you have a pop-up tent with 16 tables, and it's completely ludicrous that you've just you know deemed this piece of public land for you and your family and you know you always get like 20 times more room than you actually need yeah. and people are standing 100 yards back and can't see anything and you don't care because this is your land now i earned this space i got out here and what are the cops going to do they're going to go up to a tent and it's going to be Jonas Valanciunas in there you're going to tell him <laughs> to pack up and move yeah so that's a battle that i used to i used to get very mad about it and now i just You've, we've lost. Those of us, the, the foot people, people who just show up you know, an hour before the parade starts, we've lost the battle. Mm-hmm. Mardi Gras is no longer really for us. And uh, I've accepted it, and I'm okay with it. And uh, hopefully I know people who have a spot, and I can wiggle myself in. Because I'm not going to fight the battle, but I'm, no long, I'm also no longer going to get upset about it. It is a complete waste of energy. Yeah, the spacing thing always... I never really fell into that. Because I guess the space is to watch the floats, which I've never been enamored with. Yeah. To catch stuff. It's yeah. all garbage. I don't care about that. Yeah, I was out there to drink 700 beers. <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. I, I can do that in a corner. I know. I was trying to explain to someone like why I wasn't that big on Mardi Gras. I was like, you know, I used to love it. I was like, but the, I also, if you think from the age of 15 to the age of, I don't know, 28, I don't think I saw a float. I would just go out there every single day. I would stand 25 yards from the actual street and I would just drink the whole day and be like, this is the best experience ever. Yeah. Look at Mardi Gras. What an event. Uh, you know, without ever actually doing anything. And the couple times I rode and, uh, and then, then as you got a little older, we started kind of trying to catch stuff, whatever. People started having kids. And now I've got kids, and they, you know, if you're going to go, you might as well, you know, standing back there and drinking my face off, it doesn't seem like something that's going to happen. So I might as well try to get to the front, and you can't. You just can't. No. Like, it is physically impossible unless you – I think there are probably portions of the route that are really hard to park places. Um, 
So that's where we're at. That's Mardi Gras. You have to figure out a strategy. It's just a lot of work. It's just a lot of work. That's exactly it. I'm gonna go to. Uh, I'm gonna go see Crew of Dolly. They're in Bosom Buddies on Friday. <laughs> nice. My favorite uh, parade named after a Tom Hanks sitcom <laughs> where he dressed up like a lady. Yes, there's all those fun walking ones are, are great, and uh, you know I hope everyone has a wonderful Mardi Gras. I have certainly. Uh, Appreciate it. Love it. Glad it's back. Glad it's here. Glad it's in full force. Um, but I think both of us are, are kind of at a, an age that uh, it's not really for us anymore. No. And if if you're at home on Saturday and you're like, man, I'd really like to be doing something. But the parade, you know, I, I just don't know if I can make it out there. Come out to Lafayette to Club <laughs> 337. I'll be doing stand-up comedy Is that there. the one in the Marriott? Yeah. Oh, nice. I Where have. I uh, previously opened for one Chris Catan. That's right. Who are we opening for this week? <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> no, it's, it's it's a local oh, showcase. It's a secret? No, no, no. It's oh, just okay. like local comics. There's no Catans. Okay. Um, it's me, uh, Jason Leonard, Isaac Cazell. There's some couple uh, Lafayette comedians. Okay. It's going to be a good show. Uh, if we have any Polk and Kush loyal come out there or any enemies of the show want to come out there and yeah. give me the what for. We'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be great. That sounds awesome. So come on out, please. Do they still have the Popeye's buffet there? It might be the last place in the world that does. Yeah. It's right across the street from there. There's no was. used to the ride to Lafayette. You could see the tiger dying in the gas station, <laughs> which was always just brutal, horrifically sad. And you could go to the super po- super Popeyes. I hope one of those traditions still lives. Yes, the Popeyes buffet. I think I had uh, five apple pies last time I was there. It was a great day. One of the best days of my life. That's your Mardi Gras. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, well, one of the uh, not so fun days of my life was uh, last night as I tried to stay awake from uh, nine to midnight watching the Pelicans get their brains beat in uh, by the hated Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> uh, it was a fairly depressing way for this team to go into the All-Star break. Uh, there, there's really not much else to say. I mean, they just got whipped. Uh, they had a good second quarter and every other aspect of the game. They got their ass kicked. We had discussed recording the show while watching the game. Yes. I think in retrospect, we should have. Yes. <laughs> so we would have finished in the third quarter. We would have had to turn the volume down. <laughs> uh, it was a very depressing game. Uh, I think Pelicans fans view Lakers as a rival team. Mm. I think the Lakers are on another plane of existence. They have no rivals to speak of. The Celtics. Yeah. Who? You know, like right now, that's not really a thing. Yeah, know? and they haven't had that rivalry in 10 years. So Fair. all these Zoomers are, yes. have no idea what's going on. They live in Lakerland. Yes. And the Pelicans walked into the buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I, the Lakers were one of the, the, the last time the Pelicans played the Lakers when they got a desperately needed win. The Lakers were one of the most embarrassing basketball teams I have ever seen operate. Yes. They're a little bit better now. Yeah, they made some trades. They did. They kind of did at the deadline what a lot of Pelicans fans were hoping the Pelicans would do at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers made moves that were not, you know, earth shattering. They didn't go make the Kevin Durant deal or whatever like Phoenix did, 
Uh, but they made a lot of moves to get better and to complement the stars they have and fill in weaknesses. D'Angelo Russell and uh, and Beasley, I mean, those guys really help them tremendously. They make them a much more potent team. And you could see the moments where the Lakers were starting to get bogged down, where you could feel the AD going through the same AD stuff we saw over and over again. And someone was there to pick them up, and they were, they were able to kill New Orleans in transition and right as every time it seemed like the Pelicans were kind of right on the precipice of being able to be right punch for punch in the game, uh, those guys really more so than even LeBron uh, were able to make an impact, and uh, and the Pelicans just kind of got knocked out uh, by the early in the fourth quarter. Well, above anyone else, the player that was able to lift AD up and help him out was Valanchunas. Oh my God! Just completely dominated dominated it was embarrassing and this is you know a pattern we've seen with valanchunas particularly uh last year in the playoffs he could he could barely even get out on the court yeah um this guy is slow he gets a lot of points he gets a lot of rebounds but so does billy hernan gomez yeah are they that different are they that different they're not because they're both slow and they both you know can score but they can't do really anything else they can score a little bit they can score when everything goes their way. They can score when there's not another traditional center on the other team, right. which a lot of teams don't have one. And so the problem, though, is that even when that matchup exists, the Pelicans don't seem to exploit it. Uh, uh, Hernan Gomez and Valanciunas, I think, combined for what seven or eight shots. Like It's not as if they were shooting a lot. And But when they went down there, it seemed to be successful. The Pelicans' offense overwhelmingly, and look, they had won four of five coming into that game, so you, it's not the same level of desperation we were talking about, you know, during the ten-game losing streak. But there is a pretty clear problem with this offense right now. It's not very good. It wasn't very good in the win over Oklahoma City. It was horrific uh, for most of last night. It is a lot of CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram dribbling the air out of the ball and taking difficult mid-range jumpers and they're good at those mid-range jumpers but that is shitty offense and it's not offense that's going to be consistent for you it's not offense that's going to keep your team happy and it's definitely not offense that was going to carry you in the playoffs and they are in a little bit of not a little bit they're in a lot of trouble if this is where the direction that they are headed this team was a lot of fun to watch not that long ago and they are kind of a slog to watch right now it seems to be a lack of motivation for the offense it does feel that way and when that is the case you look at willie green you look at the rotations you look at who's out there missing wide open shots you know the pelicans had an abysmal shooting percentage against the lakers Mm -hmm. but they had a fair amount of open shots yeah and they just couldn't make them and you you can't make an excuse for that you know i was making an excuse saying i don't think the pelicans needed to make a big swing and bring in a bunch of shooters i thought that they had shooters on the team who just needed to be in the right position i may have been incorrect on that (laughs) that's never happened before (laughs) (laughs) and one of us was wrong about a basketball take uh yeah, I mean the 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 only addition they made was Josh Richardson at the trade deadline, who I love because mm-hmm. he went to Tennessee, and I think he's a very versatile player and a a guy who gives a crap, and I think he's played as well as you could have possibly imagined him playing in the two games he's been here. 
Uh, but that's not the answer. No, and that's not he doesn't he doesn't fix the problem. The problem with Devonte Graham was not that Devonte Graham couldn't defend anybody, or that he wasn't versatile enough. It was that he was bricking most of his threes, and Josh Richardson doesn't really solve that, and nobody can really hit threes right now. Trey Murphy was horrendous against the Lakers, and you're so reliant on Trey Murphy finding a way to get open in an offense where no one is getting anyone open. They're mm-hmm. not running enough stuff. The ball isn't moving most of these possessions. Brandon Ingram is so good at the at controlling the ball in ISO, but it does hurt them, I think, overall. Like, he wants to control the ball, and I think often when you break down what's their best chance of scoring in any given possession, him taking somebody one-on-one he's probably more likely to score than anybody else on the court, right? Yeah. But over time and possession after possession after possession, it wears you down as an offense, and you're asking him to hit such challenging shots that it's just not sustainable. And, I mean, they're scoring, they were scoring in the 120s and 130s for a long time. Now they're scoring barely 100 uh, most nights. And last night they wouldn't have gotten to 100 except for the fact that the last eight minutes of the game were complete garbage time. A lot of the Pelicans' 120-point blowout victories in the first half of the season, Trey Murphy was making his shots, and there was just some actual dynamic playmaking by Jose Alvarado, and CJ seemed to be passing the ball a lot better. Having Zion Zion. in there is the key to all of this. Yes. Yes. And that that really – and it's so – it's strange to say because we did watch this team the second half of last season. With McCollum and Ingram together, a handful of games they were able to play. And this exact roster, I mean, it was not any different. The rotation was, now Jackson Hayes was starting instead of whatever, but it's like the team was essentially the same. They played with the joy. They played with a lot of ball movement. There was a, a camaraderie that was very obvious to see. And this group just doesn't feel like it has much of that. It feels like it is lacking completely. And it's not that they're bad because, again, they've won. F- they had won four out of five games. They can beat mediocre teams. It just doesn't feel like they can beat a good team. It doesn't feel like they can win consistently anymore. And it doesn't feel like they have any real identity on which to build. And, uh, and all of that is like they had that with Zion. Mm-hmm. They really did. They had everything going with Zion. And now with Ingram back and Zion gone, it doesn't feel like they have that anymore. And that's what's so uh, crappy about this Zion situation. I mean, maybe it's a testament to just how phenomenal Zion is, but it seems now like there's just really no plan in place for what to do without Zion. Yeah. Because the Pelicans were so good so quickly with him in there. With him gone, it of course, has taken the wind out of the sails, but at a level that I would not have expected. Yeah, and did you hear Griff on the broadcast last night? No. He was basically, the only part that was interesting, so let's start. Him and Joel and AD were bitching about the refs during the game watching it, and I'm like, that is so lame to have your president of basketball operations on there with your two announcers whining about calls that are yeah. going on on the court it's like let's not use this time on the air to bitch about the refs like i get it talking about the lakers free throw differential it's like i get it it's you're frustra- down by 18 <laughs> like it's frustrating i get it's hard to watch it like and, it, and some of the calls were definitely bad but it's like i don't know there's something about 
whining about refs at, ever since the NFC Championship game with the Saints. We had our fill. I know. We're like, the whining about refs just took, went like 3x overblown, and now I can't do it anymore. I just like can't listen to it anymore. It's like, it's not going to change. You complaining about it does not change it. Stop bitching about it. Well, it's a softball take. There are actual problems with this team that you can discuss that might hurt lunatics' feelings. Yeah. And for professionals on an actual game to be bitching about, like, oh, he's carrying the ball. Everyone carries the ball. (laughs) I know you've been watching this game for a long time. You've been playing it for a long time. But when you're losing by 18 to (laughs) Mo Bamba, I don't know, man. Explore other options for why this is happening. It was weird. It was just very. and, And Griff, for his part, you know. I I have no problem with Griff anymore. I really don't. Like, yeah, he didn't he didn't do the thing that I was kind of hoping he would do because I like shitting him on on him for it. He didn't do any of the like here's you know uh, a SAT word a uh, string of of verbiage and some insane analogy uh, about togetherness through the winds of adversity. He didn't do any of that. He was like, look, our training staff is fine. He has a hamstring injury. The hamstring injury is hard to overcome this is where we're at it stinks and then he was he basically said they uh internally they have a group of guys who like each other but not necessarily a group of guys who hold each other accountable and i think that is a very true statement uh if you just know the personalities of this team at all there's really not the one and there's very few of these guys left in the nba yeah who are like gonna go and call people to the carpet and say like hey you're playing like an asshole and you're or you're not giving effort or like we, we watched that Cleveland game. They barely showed up for that game. The first quarter of the Lakers game, they barely showed up for it. Uh, there's nobody in that locker room who's going to show up night after night and give that kind of, you know, speech to their teammates. So I understand that is a problem. Now, could that have been addressed to the deadline? I don't really know. Um but I thought that was an, a telling comment by Griff that he does. They were so into the idea of alpha dog leader Brandon Ingram. And I feel like you're starting to lose that a little bit. If you're going to look for somebody to hold the team accountable, I think eyes are on CJ McCollum. Yes. Um, second to that. I know. Larry Nance. Yeah. Maybe. And this is where bringing in a, a vet like Kevin Love or something would make sense. Yeah. There needs to be somebody in the locker room. It's a young team. I'm. This is not a, a Pelican-specific problem. This is a NBA problem. This is yeah. an NBA in 2023 problem. I don't know if if Griff will address that mm-hmm. and what the steps moving forward from that are. Is there going to be a, a Pelicans asshole? Yeah. It's just it's, I've covered this team for so long. That guy is very hard to find in the NBA because not only do they have to be the guy who's the hard ass who's calling everybody out, they also usually have to be one of the best players on the team. Yeah, da- David West is a good example of yeah. maybe the the best example in Hornets Pelicans history yeah. of that person. Yeah. It's after that, JJ Redick, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the, like right like Rondo was that guy. Yeah, Rondo was the you know 
the seventh best player on that team. Rondo feels like a dream. Like it feels like a fantasy. <laughs> like I for, I completely forget he was on the Pelicans. And they tried for so long to bring in older vets and, and just, Kendrick Perkins. What a disaster that was. Like they tried for a while to bring in those guys on the periphery to help AD and Drew. And now you're in the same situation where, like, I don't think B.I. is that guy. I don't think Zion's that guy. C.J. McCollum is supposed to be. And I think if you really read between the lines, whatever, maybe that's a little bit of a shot from Griff at C.J. McCollum, right? Like, hey, man, we brought you in to be the vet, to be the guy who everybody respects. And I think he took that role so well last year that everyone kind of expected to carry on. It's not that easy. And 82 games is a lot of games, and he's the only freaking one that's playing every night. And I assume that is wearing him down, and it's difficult. And now this team is in a real fight for the playoffs, and if Zion's going to be out for the remainder of the regular season, which feels entirely possible, uh, there is really no guarantee they even make the play-in. Much, I mean, they're playing the 13th-seeded Lakers and got their ass kicked. Uh, there is no guarantee that they are among the top six, much less the top, uh, or sorry, the top 10, much less the top six. Yeah, and the Pelicans didn't get better. A lot of the teams floating around in the West did. Yeah. Dallas, Los Angeles, of course, Phoenix. Yeah. These are teams that have been floating around the play in the entire season for the most part. Mm-hmm. And you've got uh, Steph Curry is injured right now. Yeah. But of course, the Warriors. Yeah. So he'll come back. It's not getting easier. No. <laughs> no. The Lakers are going to win games. Like it is going to, it's not going to be simple. Now, the Jazz might fall off. That would be helpful. The Thunder will probably fall off a little bit. Like there, there will be some jockeying that happens there. But you are very much in a position where getting into that top 10 is now like a. Oh, this could be, and that is a crazy thing to think of considering six weeks ago they were the number one seed in the West and everyone was head over heels in love with this team. And it's just so, uh, it feels so simple to just say it's Zion, but it shouldn't be that simple because this was the same team they had last year. They have the ability to do it. They got to change something from a philosophy perspective, an offensive scheme perspective, uh, and they got to get guys to to buy in more because there is a, a very clear disconnect from where they were a year ago and this team with the roster that is healthy enough to play can win games and they can be very good we've seen it there's not a lot of tweaking that needs to be done but there does need to be a spark lit under the ass of the pelicans to get motivated and to look like you give a shit pass the ball pass the ball that's move and pass the ball this is not the Damian Lillard Blizzard Blazers like they are not supposed to be a team that just stands there dribbles the ball and shoots like you the whole Willie Green offense was built around quick movement 0.5 mentality of passing 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 they don't do any of that anymore they stand there and watch Brandon Ingram and stand there and watch CJ McCollum it's bad to watch it's not result giving you good results they've got a lot of good defensive players so they should be able to hang tough um but yeah they they cannot shoot and they cannot pass, and that you, is a bad problem. Yeah, I mean, and is any of this because they're not playing Kyra Lewis and because they're not playing Jackson Hayes? I know not the most talented players on the squad, yeah. but they do have energy. They do yeah. run the court. They do play the Willie Green winning Pelican style of offense, Yes, and we're not seeing any of them. Yeah, I, it couldn't hurt. To not play either of those guys last night was weird. Yeah. It's like this, this shit isn't working. 
try something else. Uh, and especially the, the Kyra thing is very weird to me. I don't really understand why they don't like playing him. But I guess Dyson Daniels is on the way back. He He's somebody that I forget about when he's not playing. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good player. He does need to be in there. He's a little Herb Jr., yeah. and it would be nice to have him back out there. Yes. Hopefully Zion comes back before the playoffs. He won't. <laughs> but if he did, that would be neat. I went on that Moscona show, and he was like, legitimately, he's like, reasonably, when do you think Zion comes back? I was like, I'm not going to answer that question. I was like, because if you would, your my actual answer is never. Like I don't <laughs> until he's play, until he's wearing a, ba- a uniform, holding a basketball while they're announcing like the game has begun. I don't <laughs> believe that he's playing. He never comes back from these injuries. Like they take forever to come back, and so I was like, I I just do not. Holding your breath and waiting for him to get back is a uh, a fool's errand. I'm not going to do it. So these are the Pelicans is who they are. What they showed up with last night, it has to be the team that you assume is the one that's going to be playing the rest of the season. And that team has a lot of flaws right now. But they're certainly talented enough to be better than this. Uh, Willie Green's got a lot to work on during the All-Star break. They do not play again. They have an eight-day break. You would think they'll come back refreshed and ready to play certainly better than the uh giant turd they took on the court to start the game uh in los angeles last night well the all-star break got here at either the best or the worst time yeah i don't know yeah but it's here and the pelicans can use the rest and we can get back to our winning ways by winning the dunk contest with (laughs) trey murphy (laughs) is he gonna lose to mac mcclung I got an email from a betting site that literally said Caucasian, comma, Mac McClung. (laughs) (laughs) And then it said he's the first white player to be in the dunk contest since Brent Barry. And I was like, that's not true. (laughs) The guy from the Bucks. And the guy from the Hornets. Uh, The Birdman was in it. Oh, yeah. So So here's, don't (sighs) get your news from betting sites because they're racist (laughs) and they're wrong. (laughs) Did it say he was short, too? <laughs> I did say he was short. Uh, that seems like the definition of, like, that's that's the guy who's going to win. The, the shortest guy and the guy who looks like he can do the least is always the one who seems to win these things. He might be Caucasian, but he went to Georgetown, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And finished somewhere else. Texas Tech, maybe? Who know. knows? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's, you know... I watched his high school clips on Instagram. Could you imagine going to the dunk contest? Or like, oh, man, who's in it? It's like Trey Murphy and Mac McClung. <laughs> cool. Like, at least the ones here were fun. It was like the that was the Aaron Gordon and the uh, and then Dwight Howard was one of the years. Like, it was the actual names of real people. Like, this is a joke. Like, who in the NBA world knows who Trey Murphy and Mac McClung are? I mean, the dunk contest really peaked with Jordan, Julius Irving. Sure. Now that, but even then, it kind of. And now you came, got guys on the Shanghai Sharks dunking. <laughs> but it came back a little bit. Like, if you remember those Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, like those were Tracy McGrady. Fun, you know, like, yeah. And then you had those kind of years. Like, there was years where it mattered. It is gone right now. Well, they just need to do what all the leagues are doing with these all-star games and become experimental and wacky, and they should have the worst possible guys in the dunk contest. (laughs) Just 
the Jonas Valanciunas stands at the stands under the basket, uh, vertical jumps six inches and dunks the ball in. Six but he's wearing 4. a Superman yeah. cape like Dwight <laughs> Howard. Exactly. Like, that that is uh, basically all you can really, you know. D- it just sounds boring. I don't even know who the other two guys are. Give them give the mini tramp and have them go out there against the mascots. Have like six feet and under versus the mascots. That's the new dunk contest. Wouldn't Jose it, Alvarado can bring it back. A 13-foot goal and a trampoline would be sick. Let's do it. I mean, everyone would get hurt, but that's okay. <laughs> Does anyone care if Mac McClung gets hurt? Mac McClung and fans of the Shanghai Sharks. Caucasian, he comma, Mac <laughs> We're gonna I'm gonna send that to you. You can put it on the Twitter feed. It was oh, spectacular. Excellent. It was tremendous. We're stoked to announce that our sponsor, Crescent Canna, has just released their new THC seltzer. That's right. Crescent 9 THC seltzer is delightfully refreshing and highly satisfying. Made with federally legal hemp-derived Delta 9 THC. It provides the uplifting effects of cannabis for any occasion, any time, from coast to mother effing coast. Made with 6 milligrams of THC plus 3 milligrams of CBD and naturally flavored with fruit juice and puree. Crescent 9 is low in calories, high in flavor, with the perfect combination of cannabinoids for a balanced euphoric vibe. Whether you're on the parade route or on the couch... This game-changing beverage is the first Delta 9 THC seltzer to be registered with the Louisiana Department of Health. This is why we stay alive. It's not for any occasion. It's for every occasion. (laughs) I am in the test market. They gave me a keg of this stuff. I've just been wearing it strapped to my back like a Ninja Turtle. I have a camel back of this stuff. I look... Sometimes you have sponsors, and it's like, yeah, the belt sander. You should buy a belt sander. It's good. It sands stuff. <laughs> this is a product I will buy and use and enjoy. The the can of moons, the edibles, the roll-ons, all of that stuff is great, and it's a lot of fun. But sometimes you just want a can in your hand, and it's it's like one of those like skinny white claw cans. So you look cool. Sure. You know, I look like a twenty year old when I have this thing. Exactly. I look like Lonzo Ball <laughs> when I'm walking around with the THC seltzer. Uh, this thing is a Mardi Gras game changer. If you're like so many people and you're not drinking alcohol these days, this is a great way to not stick out and look like a boring fuddy dud at a party, mm-hmm. and also feel relaxed and feel fun. Uh, I've had these drinks before where they are 5 million billion milligrams of everything and you take one sip and then you wake up in a New Mexican desert. (laughs) This, you you can take a sip and go to the post office and have the best time of your life. I think it's a great idea for parades, honestly. Like, what could be better at Mardi Gras if you don't want to drink 100 beers? This seems like the perfect way to, like, enjoy a parade, get a nice little feel for it, while at the same time not, you know, it, it, you have the tradition 
of what you do at a parade, which is drinking, while at the same time feeling what you want to feel without having to smoke something, eat something, whatever. It's, I think this is a great combination. And it's not just, it's at a lot of locations, but you can also get it at bars. You got a list of everywhere it's at, I believe. Yes, I'll read that. If you're interested in giving Crescent 9 a try, it will be available online next week. In the meantime, it is now available at select locations, including all raw shops, all Simply CBD, Crescent City Vape locations, Tipitina's, Cajun Pubs, Arabella Casa di Pasta, 12 Mile Limit, Health for Nola, The Mushroom, The Herb Import Company, Up in Smoke, and Market 45, and the list is growing every day. If it grows much longer, I won't be able to read it. You must be 21 or older to purchase and consume THC products. Consult with your doctor before using any cannabis product if you have a medical condition or if you are taking medication. And Cajun. People are always like, let's go to Cajuns. I'm like, let's not. And now I'm with going. Crescent Nine, I can go there and I can sing Weedest Teenage Dirtbag. <laughs> I can sing On the Wings of Love by Jeffrey Osborne. Those are my two karaoke songs. <laughs> And Millennium by Robbie Williams. Those are all very good. They are. I like to do Total Eclipse of the Heart whenever I can. <laughs> uh, that is a sponsor. It sure is. Uh, speaking of uh, Caucasians, uh, Derek Carr has decided he uh, is not going to accept a trade to the New Orleans Saints. Good. Uh, Derek Carr, you might recall, the last time we had uh, this podcast, say, uh, was visiting, I think, for like a 24-hour, very you know expansive interview with the team and came away from it, went back to Las Vegas and said, uh, no, no thanks. So he's going to be a free agent. So he, instead of the Raiders getting a pick back for him and him keeping his current contract, uh, the Raiders were forced to release him. I guess there's still a remote chance that he ends up becoming the Saints quarterback. I guess it come, come to an independent deal. Overwhelmingly, though, it does seem like that ship has sailed. If he wanted to come, he probably would have agreed to the trade. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a good thing, but that's pretty embarrassing for the Saints. That, well, he's... He's getting more money, or could potentially get more money. Potentially. He's kind of betting on the market, thinking that he's more valuable than $40 million a year. I don't think that's going to happen. Did he just come to New Orleans as a courtesy to Dennis Allen, the man who drafted him, or Perhaps. does it give him leverage of any sort? It doesn't seem like it would. I don't think it does. It seems yeah. like people go, oh, thank God, we don't have to worry about Derek Carr now. Yeah, I think he went through it and was like, well, I don't think this team's going to be very good, and I don't really want to get stuck playing here, and I don't really owe the Raiders anything to the idea that they, they need compensation back in, in exchange for me getting traded. So, you know, I, I get it on all angles, but yeah, certainly it should be a little embarrassing for the Saints. Uh, and the Saints are back in the wilderness, you know? Like, I think I was certainly under the impression they at least had a quarterback for this year. They had a direction they're doing the same bullshit where they reverse mortgage everybody. I think they, they restructured Ramchick's contract. They restructured somebody else, Marcus May's contract, and to try to free up cap room. And it's like, guys, what are we doing here? Like, you don't even have a quarterback. And you're and you're doing this crap where it's like kicking the can. What are you kicking the can for? That made sense when you had Drew Brees and you were like trying to exhaust the rest of this, you know, roster and get them to a Super Bowl. It's like, you're not even 
You're not even the top 20 teams in the NFL. Like, this is a joke. What are you doing? I saw one of the most depressing statements I've ever seen in my life on Twitter this week, and it was regarding Baker Mayfield. Oh, boy. Being a potential target for the Saints because they were, quote, very high on Baker Mayfield in 2018 when everyone in the world. <laughs> so was everybody else. He went number one. Little Caesars, <laughs> T-Mobile, Hulu. Hulu. <laughs> all, everyone in the world was high. They're like, oh, well, it, it, it speaks a lot to a veteran quarterback. Can you call him a veteran? I think you can call him an old quarterback. <laughs> veteran seems to have some sort of notoriety to it, experience, winning, anything. This is just a man who has had a job. Yes. For five or six years. Yeah. I've had a job for five or six years. <laughs> Throw you I out there. I have no veteran leadership experience. <laughs> you being the quarterback is exactly what I want. I think that we could. That would get me to 0-17 real quick. I'm around Drew Brees' size, I think. <laughs> no, he's still gigantic. You share his political values? I share his hair. <laughs> we both enjoy a good pair of Wranglers. <laughs> I mean, the Saints... Are a clown show, yeah. For goons, yeah. And I don't want to watch. I know it's bad right now, especially so. Sean Payton, I think, uh, took two or three different staff members. Uh, I don't know exactly the levels. He obviously took Zach Streif, uh, that was uh, pretty high profile. And then he took two other guys, I guess, this week. Good, take them all. Yeah. The only problem is that like. The reason you hire Dennis Allen and what your own really the only justification they had for hiring Dennis Allen was staff continuity. Everybody knows what they're doing. There's not a learning curve. There's no uh, you know unfamiliarity. It really shortens the uh, the gap as you try to to change over staffs. And that made sense at the time. And instead, they're all fucking leaving. So what is the difference? Each of these moves, the Sean Payton statue gets one foot shorter. <laughs> the wall gets 10 feet higher. The Sean Payton statue loses a foot every time he does this shit, which is exactly what we said he would do. Exactly. We said, do not, do not exalt this man to positions of... of royalty yeah he is a businessman yes and he does not give a shit about the new orleans saints no it's gonna be the size of the bucky statue by the time he gets done with it it's gonna be like two and a half feet take pictures of it with your kids yeah you're gonna think it's the willow statue <laughs> the, the toads that live in front of people's houses yeah. can we i don't know how the coaches contracts work sean payton could have been traded all the, can we make it to where if you take three guys you also have to take dennis allen yes just take him take him i know they didn't take Pete carmichael bruh bruh <laughs> that was the whole point i uh, it, it is it is bonkers the the how badly the Saints have bungled this thing and how silent everybody is about it. I think everyone knows they're going to be awful next year. There is this like glimmer of like, hey, if they get Derek Carr, maybe they'll like be able to win a really bad division. But they can't even get that done. They can't do anything right right now. And Sean Payton's now coming after what you would think are their best guys. He knows. Mm -hmm. So then you get stuck with the leftovers. 
in the continuity parade, and you have a terrible head coach and a ter- and no quarterback to speak of, and you will end up with a bad quarterback. Now, at this point, there is no scenario in which you end up with a good quarterback unless you draft one and you get very lucky at number 29 or whatever it is that you got a great rookie quarterback. That is a pipe dream. Uh, so they're in a, a, a weird spot. I think more people should be panicking. Uh, you <laughs> you know, always think that. Because I, I, nobody ever, like, why doesn't anybody freak out? Where's everybody? F- why am I the only guy who freaks out? Because they're muses right now catching a shoe. <laughs> they're catching a glitter shoe with a Smurf glued to it. <laughs> it's like, let's. I need some people freaking out. There is... That's in the future. That is for future people to deal with. We're in the present right now. Are the Saints going to have a running back next season? <laughs> Out today, Alvin Kamara was indicted by a grand jury. That sounds bad. Yeah. Oh, Hits keep coming. For the Las Vegas uh, incident. He beat the crap out of some guy, right? Yeah. Apparently, it doesn't all stay in Vegas. <laughs> it was on camera. So, I mean, we that was all... a nightclub that looked like they were at like a loading dock at Sam's Club. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't like he was getting beat up at Taj. <laughs> uh, I mean, he had to. That was they. Everybody thought he was going to get suspended last season. Then he didn't. And uh, and he was just not very good. Does Jason Williams prosecute the Saints? <laughs> Is that why there haven't really been suspensions? But it sounds like this thing's going to go to trial. Do you think Alvin Kamara go to jail? Maybe. That'd be wild. I would say no, but the Saints are not good enough. To get, <laughs> if he <laughs> was really good, yeah. if they were really good and he'd had a great last two seasons. Yeah. Hadn't had that. No. He was pretty bad last year. That's weird. I mean, I don't know how long you suspend a guy if they get convicted. Where do you go to jail? Do you go to jail where you live? Do you go to jail where you committed the crime? No, you go to jail where you committed the crime. Crap. If he was here, he could just walk out. (laughs) (laughs) He just cut his hair, put on a different jersey, and we could just call him somebody else. Yeah, (laughs) we've got, oh, Steven Gabera. He he is really good. Man, walk on. It'll be like the Eli commercial where they like put the silly putty on his face and he's Dad the quarterback powers, for yeah. Penn State. Oh, man, this guy was driving the beer truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, uh, I, I I don't even know what to make of the Camaros. I mean, he, he did it and we all saw it on film and, you know, it'll go to trial and I guess who knows as far as the suspension goes, but I, I'm... I'm I don't care. Draft Tajay Spears. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, that's coming up on only New Orleans uh, fantasy drafts <laughs> for the Saints, draft projections. Just draft draft Hendon Hooker, draft Tajay Spears, I'm happy. That'll be fine. Go 0-17, do Go. those things, I'll be thrilled. And then get Caleb Williams, maybe. Couldn't be happier. That's the dream right there. As I openly root for the visiting team in the Superdome every single week. <laughs> <laughs> so that we have the chance to get Caleb Williams. Here. Well, you might, I saw a guy on Bourbon Street today. He was 18, completely shirtless, and just screaming, Go Falcons, in everyone's face. <laughs> That's going to be you next season. I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy a lot of jerseys. 
<laughs> You're going to be like the drummer for Tool. He wears the jersey <laughs> oh, of whatever city yeah. they're playing in. Like pro wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. You, know, they you try can it. do that. Sure. I, I can serve. NFC South jerseys are the, by far the most affordable. I mean, could you even... Who... What Carolina Panthers jersey would you purchase? Cam Newton? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no, I have no shame of going to the game and... and I don't think I'd actually like openly root. I think you would. But I certainly wouldn't care if they lost. <laughs> I'd be perfectly content with them losing. I'm fine with that. I like one year, throw out the garbage, let's, you know, trade DeMario, trade Cam Jordan, and let's just get this tank on the road. Tank it up. Tank it up. All right. Stick around. We'll be right back. Uh, we've got some local stuff right here. Polk and Kush. It is filled with juicy jazz, squalling trumpets, and tiny little crawdads. You put Paris in a swamp, and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> when you are going to a Mardi Gras parade, you want to have a few things. You want to have snacks. You want to have water. You want to have drinks, obviously. Maybe a couple of quote-unquote party favors. And the biggest party favor of all, a confetti cannon filled with... <laughs> Mylar electrical conducting confetti. Um, typically, somebody in the group, everybody, every friend group has a confetti cannon guy. Yes. Not everybody has the cannon, but we all enjoy it. And then the most fun, you take it out, you point it directly to Transformer, <laughs> and you just let it fire. <laughs> Mardi Gras season kicked off with a literal bang as the uh, crew of Cleopatra Parade uh, was traveling down Magazine Street. A float fired a confetti cannon. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> and this is the this is a city where a, a bluebird can land on a power line. <laughs> and wipe out existence for months at a time. These people fired an explosive electrical conducting material at an event in a part of town where you don't want to stray too many blocks one way or the other. Sure. And the street lights are already out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nine out of ten lights along the parade route, already out. Sure. This took out all of the lights. Mm -hmm. The like, unlucky 10th. Yeah. It was the most New Orleans image of all time, of the, you know, wow, we're hanging out, let's shoot plastic confetti cannon, and boom, there goes the power. It's like, we don't care, nobody's paying attention, we'll do whatever we want to do, caution to the wind, and the infrastructure is falling apart in the meantime. It was a hilarious image. I can't believe somebody actually caught it on camera. The best part, though, was Entergy afterwards says that it was because somebody ran into a light pole. This, it's like, I don't think so, bro. This is because um, there was an episode of uh, Better Call Saul where Mike uh, uses uh, Mylar balloons to knock out power mm -hmm. uh, before some sort of heist or something like that. And you watch that and you go, well, this is a TV show. <laughs> Surely you can't just buy a balloon from Dollar Tree, float it into a power line and knock out power. You can. And Intergy does not want you to know that. 
because if that video goes around, ISIS is going to book a jet blue flight to New Orleans. They're going to buy a couple of Mickey Mouse balloons, and then they're just going to take over the city. <laughs> you remember watching Ocean's Eleven? When's the last time you watched Ocean's Eleven? Probably when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> so in it, there is a scene where they have to get the thing that dug the channel, you know, like yeah. in, in, in France, and they had to they had to get that to go under the uh, infrastructure of Las Vegas. This is twenty three years ago. To go under the thing in <laughs> Vegas so that they could get to the power source to where they could shut off the power for 11 seconds so they could steal all the stuff that they wanted to steal. In this city, you literally just need a, a confetti cannon. That's it. You don't even, you probably could have just thrown, taken the confetti out and just thrown it at the transformer. I think you could have shot it with a Nerf gun. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, like those tennis balls from the American Gladiators? I think that would have done it. <laughs> that gun would have done the job. It is so comically uh, fragile, the entire system here. I was at the Pelicans game that night, uh, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, the power's out in the warehouse district. And I was like, from what? I was like, there's not anything. They're like, uh, nobody quite knows. And then the video started circulating. It's like, this is unbelievable. It's like, there's a professional NBA basketball game being played right here. And two blocks away, they don't have power because someone shot a confetti cannon in the air. I was like, where else is this happening? No, nowhere. This doesn't happen in Port-au-Prince. Like, <laughs> where there is a big soccer game and, you know, the, the power's out around the stadium. It was not just, like, that block of the parade route it affected 1500 customer yeah. yeah it left almost 1500 energy customers without power until 10 p.m that's not too bad only an hour yeah <laughs> that's because it was everybody knew that it will how, exactly what happened how long does like the battery backup on a dialysis machine <laughs> run for Just, just truly great. And then wasn't there another float in the parade where the head got chopped off of the float? Yeah, that was uh, another moment that was captured on film yeah. of the beheading of a <laughs> beloved cartoon character or whatever. And it's not just... That wasn't the first incident, of course. I'm sure that was just the biggest one. I'm sure most riders in front of that thing got a concussion getting yeah. whacked by it. Yeah, I think someone fell off. And I said, I was talking about this with my girlfriend. I was like, well, you would think that they would ride the route and, and check the limb. She's like, they did. Yeah. They do that. Yeah. They go out there. It's like a big thing. Well, they don't do the whole thing. That would, you know. Makes cause sense. Traffic, but <laughs> well, they don't even have to block traffic. They could just go out there and have a broom sticking out the wind. Well, that would require work. <laughs> I don't know if you're. Or they could just have somebody that's good at judging distance walk <laughs> the route. How easy do I have to make it? So it's like you're telling me. So like, what if you were like building a skyscraper downtown? Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, we're just going to kind of, you know, have this inspection. But instead of actually going to inspect it, we're just going to write that we inspect it. We're not going to actually mm -hmm. go to the place. And then the building collapses. Would it be kind of like that? I could see a similar situation. <laughs> Where would that happen? <laughs> Where, and then when they actually needed to clear the building, which had collapsed, would it take over a year to do it? 
But, uh, maybe. I mean, did, uh, <laughs> if this is like 1700s, if there's not like full equipment, electricity, <laughs> necessary hands, I could see it taking a couple years if it's like, you know, an Amish country. They're building hospitals in China in like 10 days. Yeah, and we're all going to be in them soon enough. <laughs> Once the stuff that was released from all the balloons kicks in, we'll be like, man, I really want to go to China for no reason. It's all that smiley gas from the Joker. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, you know, not the only uh, local story this week. Our pets heads are, of course, always falling off. Our floats heads are falling off. Uh, but Latoya, the recall seems to be closer than we expected. Everybody thought that was going to be a massive failure. Uh, the campaign announced now who knows you know how many votes they're actually uh, you know close to they said they're just over a thousand I believe it was under 1100 uh, signatures away from the recall which ends I think next week uh, and then they're also suing the state for the rolls because the voter rolls as far as the it's a percentage threshold yes. that you need to have the amount of signatures and they're saying that of the registered voters, a lot of these people shouldn't be on them. People like you and I, who no longer live in the parish, <laughs> who are certainly still on the voter rolls there. And somebody who they found who was like, would have been 117 years old and died in 2004. Like, these are all uh, things that, you know, probably shouldn't be there anymore and are counting in that percentage. So... I don't know if anything will actually come of it, but it does feel a little bit more real than it's felt in uh, in quite some time with the recall. Yeah, I mean, it's it was they were saying they're a thousand signatures away from having their goal, and then at uh, a day or two later, they come out and say, "Well, thirty thousand of the registered voters in New Orleans are dead. They're yeah. pirates. They're ghosts. Yeah. They've been murdered since they were registered to vote." Yes. So uh, I mean, it was something like I think they said six hundred to eight hundred of them were actually dead. dead. Yeah, for sure. And this is not going to go well with the QAnon group no. of people who think everybody's <laughs> voting twice exactly. and that the machines are rigged. <laughs> this is a firestorm. But it's it has, uh, I respect the LaToya cam recall campaign more now. When it first started, it was like Comic Sans. LaToya's name was misspelled. Yes. There was somebody just sweating on the news. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to do it. And I'm sure that probably 15,000 of the signatures are people that live in Metairie. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they actually have to come through it, they will be way less than they, they just saw. Have. They saw the sign up sheet at Florabama <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I don't want to hear. I'll sign up for it. <laughs> but yeah, the Nolatoya group has filed a suit against the city. Against Latoya, yeah. Against someone, someone. I don't know. This is the best time. The uh, I believe the campaign ends on the nineteenth, something like that, which is coming up soon. Yes. Uh, there's no better uh, thing for the. There's no better scenario for this than Mardi Gras, if they can get people walking around with clipboards. If mm. they can get, they're going to get. 50,000 signatures from Starkville, Mississippi, mm -hmm. and we're never going to hear the end of all of the, <laughs> this ever. It's going to be in court forever. Latoya will uh, be vice president of America <laughs> by the time that any resolution is made. Yeah. Her and President Musk 
will <laughs> be sending us into the salt mines at that point. So, I mean, this lawsuit, while it makes perfect sense, and it just you know that will take forever to verify all of the ver- all of the however many what is it thirty thousand people mm-hmm. who have moved out of state or moved out of the parish, and it's like there's just no way that's going to get by the time that court case were to end her reign of terror would probably be basically over. This says that if the 30,000 voters who are ineligible were removed from the number that would reduce the number of signatures needed by 6,000. Yes. I know that there definitely are signatures on the recall that are not valid. Yeah. might be around that same number. Either way, this is going to be hanging chads for New Orleans. Forever. And it, I mean, it, there's no way either direction it will be enough to like push her out of the office. There's no chance it's actually going to work. I do think it's smart. I don't know why they waited so long to do it. I think they uh, were inspired on Fox 8 when they were talking about, they were basically saying what I just said about some of these signatures are going to be invalid, so you really need like 2,000, 3,000 more. more yeah. I think maybe that got the ball rolling. And yeah. somebody's like, maybe we should look into this yeah. four <laughs> days before the campaign's <laughs> over. And so, the, and then of course, you know, you have sections of uh, of the electorate who are like, "Oh, this is, you know, essentially the Klan." It's like I don't. What are we talking about? This is dead people. You don't want dead people to be part of the voting rolls. You should clean up the voter rolls. You don't want anybody who's not registered to vote to be able to vote. These people I, are finding ire with the fact that there are dead people on the voter registry. Yeah, and they're saying that that is. I guess it's a Republican tactic of some kind. I don't understand why that is a partisan issue. Well, almost everyone's a Democrat. Like 90 plus percent of the parish is Democrat. Who cares? Yeah. Like what? what whoever unseats Latoya will be a Democrat. Like it doesn't matter. It's not. And then that's the other reason a lot of people are against the recall because the guy who Rick Farrell, who's, I guess, been funding this entire thing when the money came out, turns out that he's a Republican donor. And it's like. Well, then he's evil, and then this whole thing's evil. It's like, well, she still sucks as the mayor. Just because the people who are funding the other side also might suck doesn't mean that she is any better. So you want to keep keep a bad mayor because you don't like the person who doesn't like her? Like, it's the ultimate uh, cutting off your nose to spite your face. It is uh, the backward, insanely stupid logic that I expect to be applied from every single person who lives here. I would love to go back to a time where I didn't, know who the mayor was i know when i didn't care about the mayor i know i never thought like back when george w bush and bill clinton were president i didn't think about them ever i never thought about anything. i didn't care i was too busy at warp tour (laughs) drinking 17 red bulls and vodkas to to care about a mayor. I know. Did you watch that it's Woodstock that Woodstock 99 documentary? I was in it. Yeah, they're like <laughs> everybody was so mad and they didn't know what they were mad about. Oh yeah. Cuz they had nothing to be mad about because the country was great. <laughs> it's because Fred Durst told them to break stuff. <laughs> That's what we need. Fred Durst should be our mayor. And then he could break all of our uh, electrical lines. <laughs> On that note, thank you also very, very much for listening. Uh, we do love doing this show each and every week. Please visit CrescentCanna.com and check out all of their products. And, of course, leave us a five-star review. 
on Spotify in particular. Thank you all so very much for listening. We do deeply appreciate it. We will see you next week right here on Polk and Polk.